So this is the thing about aging. Today we are here with Dr. Anna Garrett. Um, we're very excited to have her here. I've been reading her book, and the book is basically now pink pages from all of my underlines. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous advice, very clear, easy to understand, and we'll be talking about that. Dr. Anna Garrett has a Bachelor of Science and a Doctor of Pharmacy from UNC Chapel Hill. She's a board-certified pharma pharmacotherapy uh, specialist, a clinical pharmacist for over 20 years, a certified intrinsic coach. She has studied through the American Academ Academy, Academy, yeah. Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And then she did the thing about aging and followed her passion. And she is the author of Perimenopause, The Savvy Sister's Guide to Hormone Harmony, which is the book I was just referring to, which was published in April 2019. And she has a private Facebook a book group called the Hormone Harmony Club, which she'll be talking about. Uh, get out your pens because I'll be telling you how to get in contact with her at info at Dr. Anna Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T dot -T com. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So you specialize mainly in hormonal. Well, tell us, what is this passion that you had and why are you doing what you're doing? So I have practiced pharmacy for well over 20 years now, even though my bio says 20 years. Um, and as part of my job that I had at Mission Hospital, which was the last full-time job that I had, and that's our local hospital for those of you who aren't familiar with Asheville, um, I did wellness coaching. And um, I somehow got all the women who were coming in saying, I'm going to turn 50 this year and X, Y, and Z is going on. Can you help me? And I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'll try. And uh, so I got really interested in just the whole, um, the mindset of midlife, what goes on in your body in midlife. And, you know, as a pharmacist, obviously I was trained in the body and obviously in Western medicine, but um, I... I just knew that there had to be more, and I knew I wanted my own business. And so I have a friend who has a compounding pharmacy in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, okay, yeah. And she um, was doing hormone consultations as part of her clinical services at her pharmacy. So I said, well, can I just come hang out with you for a day? And she said, sure. So I went and sat in on some consultations, and by the time I left, I was like, that's the missing piece mm. because my intention when I started my business had been to coach women in midlife mostly about you know the mindset and feeling stuck and kind of what that third chapter is going to look like but I'm, I'm like I have a pharmacy degree for God's mm -hmm. sake mm -hmm. I don't want to give that up right um so when I spent that time with her I, I came out and I was like these are the two pieces and this is how this is going to fit together and so that's when I started. Um, I took some classes through the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Um, I've read and read and read and read. I've studied with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, who is an um, OBGYN in California. Um, I've worked with Lissa Rankin, who's another OBGYN in California. Um, and, you know, I've just kind of built this business and threatened to write a book for three years. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. 
I am so glad you did. It is so good. Thank you. It's the most readable book that I've read on the topic. Well, and it thank gives you. you really, really solid advice on or ideas and how to talk to your doctor about mm-hmm. this subject. Yes, because that's, that's a huge piece of what I feel like is missing is a, a woman's ability to advocate for herself without feeling like she's stepping into a field of landmines that she's unfamiliar with. Um, and, you know, healthcare really is, is a partnership. It's not somebody telling somebody else what to do, although that's kind of how it comes across. But the truth is you're in charge of your body 24-7. Mm. So if you have not bought into whatever the plan the doctor lays out for you is, then it doesn't help anybody. It, it, it doesn't get you feeling like you want to feel. It doesn't make the doctor happy because he or she then feels like, oh, my time's been wasted. Um, if you don't go back, then that, of course, is not helpful either. So, Well, and you know your body, what you were just saying, more intimately than anyone absolutely, else on the planet. Absolutely. And so if you know something is not right, um, you know, keep, keep looking to find somebody to help you. And that's why in the book... You know, I have some, I think I laid out 11 different things to think about before a doctor's visit. Um, and one of them is to consider working with alternative alternative providers like me. I mean, I'm considered an alternative provider because I don't take insurance and everything's out of pocket. And most people wouldn't think of working with a doctor of pharmacy mm. on their hormone mm-hmm. health. But, you know, I've got six years of training in traditional medications. I've had training in herbal medications and all kinds of supplements, and I do the testing, so it really is one-stop shopping. Um, if you need a prescription, then I'm happy to work through your physician to, to get that put in place. So it's just, um, you know, it's kind of like just expanding your worldview. Uh, things like acupuncture can be super helpful for things like hot flashes, um, there are chiropractors who know their stuff when it comes to hormones. So it's just not somebody necessarily with MD after their name that's going to be the best fit. And that really is what it comes down to. Who is the best fit? So people can you can consult with people remotely. If mm-hmm. someone wants someone face-to-face, how do, you, how do we find people that specialize? Um, so... I, I usually suggest to people that they search for functional medicine providers in their area okay. because those people are more than likely going to be up on um, the whole, you know, the whole landscape of hormones. And as you, as I, you and I were talking about when we first um, got together today, OBGYNs don't necessarily have specific training in hormones. Um, there have been studies, a study that was published uh, by AARP that. Um, they, they surveyed OBGYN residency programs, and we think, oh, the OBGYNs, they, they're the hormone experts. All of them are going to know about hormones. Right. But only 20% of their training programs actually had any sort of hormone education, and most of that was elective. So, you know, people like to bash doctors for not knowing what to do about hormones, but, you know, if you haven't learned it, right. you can't really do anything. Right, right. Um, and the way our medical system is set up, there's no incentive for doctors to go out and get that training on their own. They have to pay for it themselves. Um, hormones are not bread and butter in anybody's practice. Um, it takes a lot of time to sit down with a woman and really have a conversation about hormones. And the way our insurance companies operate, a physician has to see a patient every seven minutes to... Wow. 
to be on the productivity schedule that the insurance sets out. So they're they're factory workers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just said, and that just blows my mind. That statistic about the the people be not being trained. Ob gyns are not trained, mm-hmm. and we're all going to go through it if we live past thirty eight, forty five. Every single one of us, every single one, is going to go through, and they are not trained in that. Yeah, that's appalling to me. And when do we know to go to someone and not just say, "Oh, this is just part of menopause," and "Oh, this is just part of aging." Well, so our bodies want to be in balance. Okay. That is, that is what our body is trying to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And whether or not we help it is another story. And so um, when I wrote my book, I actually was writing it for women who were in that sort of 38 to 43 age range okay. where things start to happen. And so a lot of the first signs of perimenopause can be really subtle. It can be not even necessarily a change in periods. I mean, my gosh, mine didn't start to change until I was like 55. But it's things like new anxiety or insomnia or fatigue or weight gain that just won't budge. And Mm-hmm. A lot of those things look like other things, right? Right, right. So if you go to your doctor and you're 38 years old and you say, I'm having anxiety and I can't sleep, your doctor's going to say, more than likely, you're too young to be in perimenopause and it's probably going to give you a prescription for a sleeping pill and perhaps an anti-anxiety medication. When the root cause is that your progesterone has started to fall and progesterone is calming so you can't sleep and you start to become anxious and the fix for that is perhaps vitex which is an herb or progesterone cream which can be obtained over the counter so um, but nobody's going to spend the time to dig around in that and go, oh, maybe maybe it is perimenopause, huh? So this book is written, for any of you who are listening in that age range, it's written for you because I want people to know what's coming so that when these things start to happen, you can show up at your doctor's office and go, well, I have this one and this one and this one. What could I do if it is perimenopause? Mm-hmm. Um, because your doctor's more than likely going to put you on birth control pills or something like that, it, especially if your periods are, are heavy or you know uh, irregular or whatever. They're supposed to be irregular. That's what perimenopause. <laughs> That's what it is, is by definition, right? <laughs> right. Um, and I was very interested also about the self-diagnosing. How do we know, like, okay, so I'm taking a sleep, some herbal supplement for sleep, and then I'm also taking one for hot flashes, and how do I know that I'm not kind of double dosing with these and how they're going to interact? Well, so that's a really good question, um, and I tell my the people in my group that I don't think hormone balance is a do-it-yourself project. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a really, it's really not a good thing to work on yourself. And I realize that not everybody has this, the money to go out to spend to work with um, somebody individually. But uh, I would say make friends with your pharmacist mm-hmm. at, your, at your local store. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There are databases, um, the Natural Medicine Database. I don't know what a subscription to that costs, but you can check drug interactions there, or actually herb-herb interactions. Um, and, that, and that's a really important point that you bring up because I can't tell you the number of people I've had that will come to me finally and on my intake sheet, they'll just they'll have this list of supplements that's as long as my arm. And mm-hmm. it's like you have no idea what any of these things are, are actually doing. Um, and there are interactions. And just because something's available over the counter doesn't make it safe, mm-hmm. especially in combination with some prescription medications. Right, right. Um, it blew my mind also what you said, getting, harking back to your sleep comment. I believe in the book you said that it only sleep prescribed sleep medications only add 45 minutes. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> and it's not even good sleep. <laughs> wow. Well, so I I um, am a, a veteran of Ambien use. I don't use it any longer. It took me a really long time to get off of it, like a year. Um and the reason I got off of it was because I started waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do this if I'm right. going to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I've concocted my own little sleep cocktail now, and uh, Ambien to me is, is just uh, of the devil. Um, I think you said you were on it for two years, and it took you a year yeah. to get I just know for myself that um, unless I keep some really healthy boundaries around the time I allow for sleep, I might not be asleep the whole time, but I have to at least give myself the container Mm -hmm. to get into. um, Set yourself up for success. Exactly. And some nights are better than others, and I know there are many, many of your listeners that feel the same way, but I at least make the space for it. Could you talk to us a little bit about what happens during this process hormonally to us? So the first thing that happens is you begin to ovulate irregularly um, when you get into your late 30s and early 40s. And the way ovulation works, um, when you ovulate, you produce something called a corpus luteum, and that is actually the structure that produces the progesterone. And so, so when you ovulate, you automatically make this, and then you have progesterone hanging around for a couple of weeks um, and, until it drops, and you that's your body's signal to have a period. So if you're not ovulating regularly, which doesn't mean that you're skipping periods, because you can have a period and not ovulate. Um, when you don't ovulate regularly, you don't make that corpus luteum, so you don't have that progesterone around to calm and to keep you kind of centered and sane, as, as I put it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that happens, and that happens, as I said, you know, usually in your early 40s. And then as you progress, um, so that, that lack of progesterone allows estrogen to run the show pretty much all month, and that's why your uterine lining just starts to build up and build up and build up. And then when you do have a period, it's this, this like flooding crime scene Incredible. sort of situation. Tsunami. Yeah. I've had friends who would have like four extra large tampons yeah. in and two pads. Right. And they're still like an hour later. Right. It's incredible. And then your periods will be closer together. And then they ultimately start to get farther apart. And as this is going on, um, your testosterone and estrogen levels are beginning to fall too. And so when you hit menopause, which is one day of your life, so it's the day that marks a year since your last period, that means that your estrogen levels are now low enough so it's not really stimulating your, your, your uterine, uterine lining to grow. Okay. And so no periods. Um, so that's essentially what happens. And 
menopause brings with it a whole nother set of potential symptoms. So some of the ones that you experience in perimenopause will go away. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the period things will go away. Um, brain fog sometimes gets better in menopause, and sometimes it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, but you start to have things like vaginal dryness and joint aches and pains. Um, hot flashes become more common as a result of low estrogen. Night sweats. So, uh, you know, they can kind of cross over each other in that middle period of perimenopause. But once you're in menopause, you start to have more hot flashes usually. Okay. But if you do things like limit sugar and don't drink alcohol, that can clear up hot flashes and night sweats all by itself. Maybe not so easy to do, but it gives you hope. There is an option right? and there's a choice I can make. But I educate people and then they can do with the information what, what they, they will. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, can you talk about cortisol and stress? Yes. So my personal opinion is that stress is at the root of almost all of our hormone imbalances because your body has to have cortisol to live. It doesn't need any of the other stuff that we've talked about, but it has to have cortisol. Mm -hmm. And so if you are living a chronically stressful life, your cortisol will ultimately become low, Mm -hmm. um, and then your body will begin to uh, take pregnenolone from the hormone cascade I wish I had a, I wish I could draw here because it would make a lot more sense. But basically, pregnenolone is the mother hormone, and one side goes off into the sex hormones like estrogen and um, testosterone and DHEA, and the other, the other pathway um, is progesterone and then cortisol. So if you're low in cortisol, your body's going to take that pregnenolone and shuttle it straight into making cortisol. Well, what happens then? It means that whole other side of the pathway becomes out of balance. So if we're stressed, that means we are needing, our body thinks it needs more more, cortisol cortisol. to address whatever the stressor that, you know, the lion or whatever that's coming for us. And so if we're more stressed, then that's going to whack our sex hormones. Right. Okay. And so, you know, there are the obvious stressors like, you know, family issues or finances or a, a, a job that you hate. But, um, There are other things that are stressors that people don't think about. So skipping meals is one of them. And a lot of women skip meals. They're just like, oh, I just didn't have time to eat lunch. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't like to eat breakfast. Being in air conditioning all day long because our body needs those ups and downs in temperature to keep our circadian rhythm like it should be. Oh, my gosh. Not sleeping. That's another stressor. So there's a lot of things, um, and I do talk about those in the book. There's a whole chapter on stress that we, the things that we don't think about. You know, I, I tell people they've got to manage stress, and I, I kind of get these blank looks sometimes. And, um, you know, this is one of the real challenges of midlife because we find ourselves in, you know, sandwiched between aging parents and children and perhaps high-level jobs by the time we're in our late 40s. And sometimes if, if your body is sending you signals that something is off, mm-hmm. like way off, mm-hmm. You really do have to stop and put your put your life under a microscope and figure out you know what your priorities are and what you can change, um, and you know that's that sounds like a platitude, but it that is hard work. It is mm-hmm. hard work to really take an honest look at your life and go, you know what, that husband he's not working so well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But the choice is is 
do you want to have a happy, more relaxed life for a longer period? <laughs> of course, life coaches and friend, girlfriends, having your girlfriends is right. so important in every stage of life. But I really think in this stage of life, it's really, really important. Well, in some little Facebook blurb I saw last week, which, you know, obviously, how reliable is that? But anyway, it said getting together with your girlfriends twice a week improves your health. And I, yes. I fully believe that. Absolutely. <laughs> how often do we need... To recheck our hormonal balance, and you spoke in the book about different types of tests. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of approaches to that. I have some clients who, they're data people, Mm -hmm. and so we recheck their hormones like every four months or so. Okay. And then there are the other people who I go more by how they're feeling and whether or not they're improving. And if they're not improving in the way that we thought, then we'll recheck at that point too. So there's... I mean, unless you're on, you know, estrogen and testosterone replacement, there's not a clear um, guideline about how often to check hormones. If you're on estrogen or testosterone replacement, um, you're probably going to get them checked every maybe six months, maybe three months when you first start. And then if you're stable and nothing's changing, maybe every year. Uh, So there's not really a hard and fast rule about that. Um, you know, I don't. I don't believe in checking labs just for the sake of checking labs, because mm-hmm. what you got to know what you're going to do with the information once you get it. So if okay. you don't have a clear purpose, then it's not worth spending the money to do it. And there are several different ways that you can um, follow hormones. So there's blood testing, and they all have their, their they all have their drawbacks. So there's no one perfect method. So blood testing, urine testing, and saliva testing. Um, I, in my practice, use urine testing almost exclusively because it allows me to see the way, not only the levels of the hormones, but the way the um, body uses those hormones and the metabolism of those hormones and are they traveling the paths that are most beneficial for my client. Um, So there's like there's one estrogen pathway that's more associated with DNA damage and potential breast cancer risk. So if I see that that is a a bigger percentage than we want it to be, there are things I can do to drive it to the safer pathway. So it, it's got so much information. It's called the Dutch test, and it's just got so much information that it's, that it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, <clears throat> saliva testing is good for checking baseline levels of hormones, but if you're trying to follow up uh, topical hormones, like so creams that somebody might be using, it's not it's not useful for especially progesterone. Okay. Because progesterone likes to hide in fat tissue, and it just won't show up on a saliva test. Oh, okay. All the right. Dutch test is not good for that either, and neither is blood testing. So the best way to follow up progesterone cream is there's a finger stick test that you can order from a lab, and that's the best way to do that. Okay. So that this is, you know, this is one of the areas where it's helpful to have a consultation with somebody who practices in this area so they can help you pick the right test. Um, you can go onto the websites of these companies and order your own. It's $350, and if you don't know what you're doing, you've just basically lit $350. Then you also mentioned, I don't know if this is a stressor, I think you pronounce it xenoestrogen, even though it's spelled with an X. Yeah like estrogen in the body. Okay. So they are chemically similar enough to estrogen that they fit into the estrogen receptors. Oh. So that allows circulating estrogen levels to rise because it's got nowhere to go and sit. So it can worsen symptoms of estrogen dominance, which is what 
is going on in perimenopause most of the time. Okay. So, and what are these? Plastics, pesticides, um, cosmetics, sunscreens. Those are some of the really common ones. There's a, a website called the environmentalworkinggroup.org. EWG.org is the website. Um, and they have a whole list on there of endocrine disruptors, which is the same as xenoestrogens, okay. where people can look to see if their cosmetics are containing things like that. Oh, that's super resource. Anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered? Gosh. um, There's so much. There is so much. You know, I I think really my message is for women to just to not feel like they're alone. Um, You know, I've got almost 4,800 women in this group that I run, and it, it runs the gamut from oh, I've barely had anything to I'm suicidal. Mm -hmm. And so just reaching out and finding women that you can have a conversation with so that you know you're not alone. And also don't settle for you're too young because that's that's just dismissive and... And not very respectful, I think. That's, yeah. that's my personal take on it. Or, or to say it's just perimenopause and dismiss it. Yeah, especially that. if it's coming out of a man's mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what perimenopause feels like. That's right. He doesn't know what a period feels <laughs> exactly. like. Exactly. But um, I, I, I think, you know, just there are so many things you can do and, and to, just to not suffer and suck it up for 10 years because perimenopause lasts anywhere between five and ten years. So that's a lot of time. To, and then menopause goes until you die. That's forever, yeah. Or post-menopause, and, and there are things that can be done. Absolutely. So there's a lot of hope. Yeah. So fantastic. Well, thank you so much for this time. You're really welcome. I've really enjoyed it. I love doing these. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have loved having you. Um, again, so is your Facebook group still? It's the Hormone Harmony Club. And people can contact you at, again, why don't you give the address? Info at drannagarrett.com. And my website actually has a quiz that takes maybe a minute and a half to do that um, goes through some of the perimenopause symptoms. And you can check off your symptoms, and it'll give you a score. And then um, I send you a follow-up video series to talk to you about what your options are uh, as, as, as next steps. Super. And... The book, again, is Perimenopause, A Savvy Sister's Guide to Hormone Harmony. Um, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Next week, our guest will be Sherry Fredrickson, an international yoga instructor who for the past 10 years has been in residence at the Himalayan Institute. I was so moved by what she shared that at the end I actually teared up. She speaks with incredible wisdom, compassion, and grace. I'm really excited for you to hear it. So that's the thing about aging. Thank you for being with us.